Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Coach Chat Radio, sponsored by the International Coach Federation. I'm Annette Rosenzweig and we're broadcasting from sunny New York. Our guest for today's show is MCC Susie Pomerantz. Uh, welcome, Susie. Thank you, Annette. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here in New York Radio. <laughs> Well, it's an honor an honor for us to have you here. I'm really, really excited you're on our program. Uh, before we get started and before we start chatting more, um, I just want to introduce you with a, with a few lines of all the things you have done. Uh, sure. Susie Pomerantz is the author of Seal the Deal. She's the CEO of Innovative Leadership International LLC, a founding board member of the International Journal of Coaching and Organizations, as well as a founding board member and vice president of the International Consortium for Coaching in Organizations. Those are very long words, Susie. <laughs> I know. We just call them ECO and IJCO for short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you know some people will know what that is and some people won't, so I kind of had to say that, but um anyhow, she has um had her uh, MCC um for 13 years and has been coaching executives 18 years in over 150 organizations worldwide. She's also the founder of the Leading Coaches Center. And it says here in my notes that um, you were probably one of the first executive coaches to receive your MCC um, back in, in 98. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I was in the first round of MCCs that were granted when um, when they started doing the credentialing. So I've actually renewed it four times. I have to check my certificates. Yeah, I've renewed it. I have five MCC certificates, so I got the first one, and I've renewed it four times already. So, yeah, that's I think that's wow. about 14 years. Wow, are you still counting hours? Because <laughs> you don't have to, right? There's no. Uh, well, I don't. No... I, I'm counting CEU hours now. We still have to do that to renew it. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, are you very much involved in the ICF, or? Um... You know, I was involved in. I've been involved in the ICF since before it was the ICF. So mm-hmm. I'm in the beginning of my 20th year as a coach now, and um, back then I was just hungry for other colleagues to talk to. And there were a group of us, um, in the, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, so there were a group of coaches in the Washington, D.C. area that would get together and talk about things. And then we sort of joined with the organization at that time was called the PPCA, the, profess- the Professional um I guess it was the Professional Personal Coaches and uh, Coaches Association. I can't even remember what it stands for so long ago. But the PPCA mm-hmm. then at, at some point, I guess in 1995, when ICF started, the PPCA was part of starting that and um, and said, hey, we're going to become ICF. And so we all did. And um, back then I had a number of roles on the application review committee um, back when they started doing credentialing, and I volunteered in a number of different capacities when ICF was just starting out. Um, right, right, right. And, yeah, been a member all along. So that, so that takes us all the way back to the beginning, and I'm always interested in knowing, like, that's really, I mean, that's, this is really at the, uh, of the, I was going to say, birth of coaching, uh, as we kind of know it a little today. How, how, how did you get involved at all with coaching? Well, it, so I, my background by training, I'm a school teacher. I got my master's in teaching, and I was really disgruntled. Um, I got into teaching because I love children, and I got out of teaching because I love children. I taught for three years in three different environments, and each year it was 
it, I was just very disillusioned. I didn't get to teach. I didn't get to really be with the kids in the way that I wanted to be with the kids. It was very prescribed and bureaucratic and a lot of um, discipline and, and bureaucracy and administrative nonsense and discipline and not a whole lot of actual teaching. And so I was very disillusioned and I was working myself way too hard because I took the concept of individualized instruction very seriously and I was creating, you know, 30 different lesson plans for my 30 different kids the year I had 30 and then one year I was in a middle school and I had 150 kids and I did 150 lesson plans each week and it was just, it, it was not good for me. So right. it was during all of the teaching and, you know, each year trying a different school system, trying a different age level, trying a different environment and saying, okay, maybe it was just where I was and maybe that's what wasn't working for me. And during all of that, I um, I was also taking the courses at Landmark Education. Um, the They have a whole curriculum for living, so the forum and the advanced course and the self-expression and leadership program is what it was called back then. And it was during the advanced course when I realized I had to leave teaching, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, and then in the self-expression and leadership program, after that program, I became a coach in that program, volunteered as a coach in that program. And one of the other women that was coaching in that program at the same time said, pulled me aside one time and said, look, I know you left teaching. I know you don't know what you're doing next. And I have my own company. I've got 10 employees. And I'm a really good coach for them, but only up to a point because I'm their boss. So everything I say to them, they hear you know, through me as their boss. And I, I would like to hire you to coach my employees. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Fine, no problem. At that point, I wasn't thinking I was going to have a business, right? I was just thinking this was going to be a fun thing to do to help her out um, while I was trying to figure out if I was going back to grad school or what I was going to do next. And she helped me create my first contract. And, uh, you know, for $40 an hour, I was so excited to be making that much money. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so my first coaching contract, I coached her, you know, ten, her 10 employees, and she said, you know, and by the way, I have this friend who is a, a woman who owns her own business, and I think you'd be a great coach for her, too, and I think you should start a business doing this. And I said, well, that's just silly. I don't know anything about starting a business, but I'll help you, no problem. You know, I'll just... <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so you had a very, it sounds like you had a very organic entry into that world. Well, that was one piece of it. The other piece of it was that um, part of what I was doing, I didn't want to just be floundering around trying to figure out, um, you know, hoping to get hit on the head by my next career move. So the only proactive thing I could think to do once I left teaching was um, to conduct informational interviews. And I started with three people that I knew, and I met with them, and I asked them, about their jobs. What is it that you do? What do you like about what you do? What do you not like about what, do you, do, what you do? And what do you think someone with a teaching skill set could do out in the real world? Um, you know, what skills are transferable? And then I also asked each of them, what do you recommend I read and who do you recommend I talk to? And I followed up on all of those, who do you recommend I talk to? And in the course of the, it was about six months, I interviewed 150 people just using that method. Um, and I learned some really important lessons about networking during that time, but also what happened were a couple of patterns emerged. So it was obvious at that point that um, one of the things that came up in those interviews that I could easily do with a skill set from teaching was do corporate training. Um, so that was one thing that came up. But the other thing that kept coming up was to be in consulting. And every time that came up, I thought it was ridiculous because 
I never worked in corporate America. I was a school teacher. Who am I to consult to business? And I was, by the way, all of 24 years old. You know, it was not like I was had a lot of experience under my belt. Um, but in the one of the women that I met during those informational interviews, one of those women who was like the third or fourth person to say to me, you should do consulting, I told her exactly what I just said to you. Who am I to consult a business? I don't have any experience. And she said, well, I think you should meet the president of my company um, because we do transformational consulting in business. And she said it's very similar to coaching. Um, she knew the coaching I was doing at Landmark. She was very similar to that. And you should meet with our president because we're looking to expand and bring on some associate-level coaches. So I did. I met, I met with the president of that company and ended up going through a very rigorous year-long training with them um, to learn how to coach in this transformational technology of coaching in business. And they uh, let me loose with their clients, but they didn't want me to be an employee. They wanted me to be an independent contractor. So the president of that company helped me create my business entity. So between those two women, right, between the one who hired me originally for her 10 people and this other president who helped me set up my business entity, I was suddenly in business and I had 40 clients. I had 30 from this one company, that 30 manufacturing managers of high-performance manufacturing firms, and then I had these 10 employees of this other woman. So I, suddenly I was in business. I had 40 clients. <laughs> so that that, I think that sounds like, it sounds like any any um, any uh, you know any coach's dream. It also sounds like the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? So it's a version yeah. of that story of of going out there and talking to 150 people. Many people talk to three, and they're like, "Oh, I talked to three, and they said no, and I can't. You know, I'm I'm going to pack pack up my stuff." <laughs> Well, and I wasn't strategic about it, but you're right. right. You know, it wasn't like I set out to interview 150 people. It was just that I kept going because I didn't know what else to do. I knew I wanted to be in action, but I didn't know what other actions to take, so I just kept following up. And that, frankly, is sort of the the um, beginnings of the book, Seal the Deal, because that was where I learned some really valuable lessons about the importance of follow-up and the importance of being in action and, and the importance of the numbers of it all, you know, um, so much of of business development is about the numbers. Can you can you just one, one thing? I want to give you a number which I think is is interesting because I just I saw your book on Amazon and I thought, oh, it's still selling for twenty two dollars and there's no used copies, <laughs> meaning all the people that bought them nobody wants to sell their used copies, right? They don't want to get rid of their books. So when did you yeah, publish that so book? Um, we published through HRD Press and um, originally what, and isn't... now. Um, now, but I'm was it? What through. was it? Two thousand seven or something? Two thousand six. When did it come out? Yeah, two thousand six. So, mm-hmm. from two thousand six, the book is still there, and it's still and it's selling for twenty two dollars. There's not a whole lot of books that are out there that are still selling for the price, you know, for that kind of price. And uh, I have, I don't know, you rarely see any books that don't come in 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 some other used version. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was just but, a number and, for you, but. Go back to the numbers you were talking about, you know, the importance of numbers. What does that mean? So the importance of numbers in when you're looking at business development, which, uh, you know, a lot of coaches will say to me, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing all this marketing stuff and I'm not getting the clients that I want. Well, what they mean by that is they're doing a lot of things that are not um, meeting enough people and having enough sales conversations. They're doing things like working on their website, writing articles, um, you know, maybe they'll do a few networking events, but they're not necessarily balancing the three-legged stool of networking, marketing, and sales and taking activity in all three domains at the same time. And so the numbers of it is that 
And these are general numbers, so this does, you know, it, you'll see what your own numbers are. Each individual person's um, sort of ratios are going to fluctuate a little bit. But generally speaking, in order to get one client, you have to have 10 first sales meetings. And in order to generate 10 first sales meetings, you have to you have to be networking with 100 people. So if you have... You know, if you have conversations with 100 people, 10 of them are going to move into a sales conversation with you potentially, and out mm-hmm. of those 10 sales conversations, one of them will become a client. So that's a big numbers game to be playing. And if you look around at any moment and you say, okay, I don't have enough clients, I just want three more clients, well, you better be meeting and connecting with 300 people if you have intentions of generating three more clients. You know, I hear people who, when I say how many sales conversations have you had, oh, well, I had one okay, you had one, great, and you wonder why you don't have any clients. So, right. um, Or, you know, people will tell me with great pride, I had five, I had five sales conversations. That's great, but did you expect all five of them to be clients? I mean, that doesn't... Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> what do you well, mean? It doesn't work every time. But that's where we get hung up. It's like we have this mm-hmm. attachment. And but that's the that's the beauty of the numbers, right? The beauty of the numbers is that if you're pursuing 300 conversations, you don't have a lot of time to get into that emotional turmoil that we do for ourselves. You know, if you if you have 5 leads that you're pursuing and none of them close, we do a really good number on ourselves about rejection and whatever we make that mean. But if we're pursuing 300 leads and five of them don't close, we barely notice. You know, we don't have time to get upset about it because we're on pursuing right. the next thing. So it's kind right. of a sanity strategy. <laughs> sure, no, no, I hear that. And I, 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 I got lifted out of that or into that also last year by um, an interview I heard with Seth Godin, who was yeah. asked um, the percentage of his sort of success rate in his, in his business adventures. And he said his rate was around 2%. <laughs> and I thought, I thought if he can do two percent, I can do two percent too. It's kind of good. I like that. And you are, exactly. you're basically you are at the same number. You are, you know, you are around the same. You know, you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of talking to people uh, to create that trust that's necessary for somebody to say yes. I think it would be valuable for me to hire you as a coach. Right. Um, well, there's so many factors that go into that. I sure. mean, trust is absolutely critical, but then there's also timing and readiness and. Um, value perception and um, are you even asking for the business? You know, there's so many conversations that are lost opportunities because you're waiting for them to say, yes, I'll hire you, but you never asked them to hire you. You know, there's right. – so that's a, a mistake that I see coaches making is not asking for the business or shying away from those conversations that are considered sales conversations. And And really, it doesn't have to be like that. We can actually think about sales as – sort of a different kind of coaching conversation because it is in a way a coaching conversation because you're helping the person on the other side of the phone or table or whatever get clear about whether or not they want to take action, which is what we do as coaches. We understand how to help people get clarity around what they want to do or not do. And in this case, it's about helping them get clarity as to whether or not they, A, want to hire a coach and, B, want to hire you as their coach. And not being attached to that result is is, is where the magic happens. Right. So, so if we, to our listeners, if they they would, you know, wanted to learn more about what you're doing, the book Seal the Deal is still really a valuable. It sounds like it's still a really valuable source to go to. Yeah, and there's also there's a, a number of companions to Seal the Deal now. So, Seal the Deal mm-hmm. you can get on Amazon, but there's also a um, a, a new self study 
training program that's based on Seal the Deal. Um, and there's a link to that from my website, from suzypomerantz.com. But you can download it. It's six and a half hours of content. It's 23 modules, so you can do it on your own, at your own pace, your own time. It includes the full digital copy of the book itself, as well as videos, audios, worksheets, um, PDFs. It, it's really packed with all the stuff that you need to know to be effective at sealing the deal and, and getting growing your business. That's that's great. That's great. That's a great uh, great great resource. Thank you a lot for that, Susie. Have you have you felt what ha, what has changed since that book came out? Do you feel that anything has has dramatically changed around coaching, or it's it's the same need? You see the same need today. I think coaching has grown tremendously. Um, there are a couple things that have changed since the book came out. First of all, when the book came out, social media was not as prevalent as it is now. So there's nothing in the book about social media because it came out in 2006, and I haven't revised it since then. Um, coaching has changed in that it's it's only grown. There's more and more people entering the field. There's more and more people. Um, it, it's become more mainstream. Um, I'm. It's kind of like now people are saying who's your coach as, as frequently as they're saying who's your accountant or you know who's your dentist. It's it's a recognized professional um, support role that people are talking openly about it's not you know when i started people didn't really even understand what using a coach meant they thought you know the only context people had for coaching was sports so i remember meeting people early on in my business and saying um, that i'm an executive coach and they would say well what sport you know that was the only response they would get and now people understand that there are distinctions there are sports coaches and life coaches and business coaches and executive coaches and you know people actually are starting to understand that in the marketplace so i think that's a big difference too since the book came out um because you don't have to do as much educating of the public they they know you know that that's it's 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 um i think it's true i think i don't it's it's uh it's it's coming it's up and coming it's a we we're having debates in the ICF uh, in New York about the future of coaching where's you know where is it going or and and where is it now um it seems like a lot of people are looking to get into coaching uh on the other hand it seems like a lot of people are stuck in in not being able to develop really thriving businesses um but that's also why we have you here today to uh you know give some good advice on on um on how to do that um what I also saw on your website, and and it's really a great website for anybody to look at any kind of resources. And and again, it's uh, SusiePomerantz. Um, dot com for anybody who's interested. Um, I was looking at your your library. Tell us a little about sort of the the sharing of knowledge and education. Um, now that I know that you come from background of as a teacher, it's kind of obvious where it comes from. But if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the Library of Professional Coaching is an online resource for, it's free, it's open access, you don't have to opt in or anything like that, it's just available and open to everybody. And I, I founded it with um, Bill Berquist, my partner, who um, is really one of the most visionary grandfathers of coaching. He's published 45 or more books. I, I lost track, I joke with him about it. I, I stopped counting at 45. Um, but he's really prolific and he's the one who founded the Professional School of Psychology, um, and uh, that offered the first um, doctorate in coaching program. And um, and so Bill and I really wanted to create this open access, wonderful resource of vetted materials for coaches, for coach trainers, for leaders who 
um, want to learn more about coaching, and it's it's uh, broken down into categories like case studies, research, leadership, marketing. Um, it has a number of different categories, more than 30, so I'm not going to list them all, but you can look at librariesprofessionalcoaching.com. And the idea is that, um, of course, anybody can go Google whatever term they're looking for and get the whole wide world of Internet response to whatever it is they're looking for. But this is a curated and aggregated collection of high-caliber materials because we really wanted to say, look, because there's no barrier to entry into the coaching profession, we really want to stand for a standard of excellence and pull together the materials of the best of the best that people are doing out there. So now that there's starting to be some really great research and Ph.D. dissertations on coaching, you know, we're putting we're encouraging people to submit those into the library, and you can submit right online. There's a link for submitting your materials and, um, for consideration. And then um, the whole thing is, is paid for by sponsors. So um, we're really excited that ICF is a sponsor and um, ACTO is a sponsor and a number of coach training programs and schools uh, as well as individual coaches are sponsors of the library too. So there's information at the library site about how to sponsor it as well. But um, it's great. It's being seen all around the world. We're really excited. There's uh, The Google Analytics tells us we've got visitors in 79 countries who are oh, wow, that's cool. yeah, getting great visibility. And we have some articles in Chinese, and um, I think we're going to be getting some in Italian. So really, it's, it's, um, it's really growing and becoming a global resource for people to access around high-caliber coaching materials. That's that's absolutely fantastic. That's uh, it's it's you know part of my brain is going, why is the ICF not doing it? But because they're not, and because they're working you know within you know their framework, it's just fantastic that you from you know from your vantage point and, and knowledge point um, gathered all this material together and is is letting it you know um, be available for everybody. Um, so I, I want to thank you. <laughs> Yeah, because it's, it's such an important thing to get that you know get that standard of excellence, maintain it, keep it as, as high as possible. Um, as you said, because there is uh, the entry into the field is not um, it's it's not regulated. It's, it's uh, has its own its own um, regulation. I've, I had a client today ask me uh, what my certification was, and I had to you know explain to her that I really. Uh, didn't have any um, legal certification in that sense. I had ICF, but not um, anything that was New York State or anything like it. So, so thank yeah, you for that. I, I, on that point, no, go ahead, Annette, go ahead. I do understand that there's a um, a board certified credential now for coaching. I don't know if that's any more legitimate than ICF, but I know I know I've heard about that. Um, but it depends. What what board? I think it's would that be state. I would think that would be a state regulation thing. You know what I think it is? It's the NBCC, the National Board for Certified Counselors, I think is who it is. Right. I think it's through, yeah, I'm I'm not exactly... Yeah. So, so in general, you know, as a general rule, there really just isn't anything but the ICF, uh, and it it might come, it might not come. I know that there are countries uh, that are starting to regulate or looking at regulation at least. Um, Australia, I think we're Francis. probably headed in. Yeah, I think we're probably headed in that direction, um, just because it's growing so rapidly, and it's it's not a fad. You know, for the first 15 years, all I heard was how coaching was a fad, and by the time you get to this point in the profession, that people are starting to recognize that it's not a fad. It's here to stay. It makes a profound difference in people's lives. 
Abs- no, absolutely. And and ICF right now they have around uh, twenty two thousand members, which is uh, mm-hmm. you know worldwide. It's, it's it's quite a quite a big group. So I, Susie, with all your energy and all the stuff that you're doing, um, could you tell us a little about where where you're putting your energy t- today? What 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 are, what are you up to other than all this other stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you want more? <laughs> no, um, I just want to hear so, what, where yeah. are you where are you sort of you know in, in I don't know. I mean, it's always uh, for I can hear your curious mind is going, and you've been so many different places. Um, well, there is. I have a lot going on right now. It's that I'm coaching. Um, in my coaching business, I have 24 executives that I'm actively coaching right now, and um, and that keeps me sharp and on my toes. I have two books I, I coming out this yeah. year. Um, one is called The Yoga of Leadership, and that will come out later in the year. And then um, I'm excited to be part of a book that um, is being published by Vicki Winterton's group um, called mm-hmm. Ready, Aim, Captivate. So I'm going to be part of that with Deepak Chopra, so I'm very excited in that, to be, have that book coming out too. And, um, and then the, the library is definitely keeping me busy. I'm spending a lot of time there. The Leading Coaches Center, which is a free online community for um, business coaches around the world to connect with each other and interact, that's also mm-hmm. um, always taking up time. And then I have two little kids that – um, that I may I tell them all the time they're my most important clients. <laughs> um, yeah, and so all of that, all of that is happening now. And um, and then I just finished. So that's really exciting. I mean, you got these two books coming up. That's that's really exciting. Um, Twenty four times. That's that's a that's a quite a, a number. No, I'm not thinking in in numbers, but time wise, how do you, you know, this uh, some clients, you know, some coaches seem to have sort of a breaking point of how many clients they individual clients they can comprehend, I was going to say, or something, mm-hmm. in a week. Um, is that a yeah, good number well, for I, you? It, that's a it's a little bit of a stretch for me. Uh, a that very is, comfortable yeah. number for me is about 15. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely um, over capacity right now, but I, but I do it all by phone. I, I have very few of the 24. I think there are only two that I meet in person. The rest are all by phone. So I can stack them up back to back. I've got a wireless headset and I can move around my office and um, uh, you know, as I talk to people back to back. So sure. most days I'm on back to back coaching calls, and then there's always, you know, p- they're very busy executives, so there's always cancellations. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Stuff, stuff, stuff getting in in um, in the in the way. Um, the um, before we end here, the you, you just briefly men- mentioned the uh, leading coaches center. I see coaches that are that are sort of striving, they don't really know where to put themselves in a niche, should they go into more business coaching, or should they stay in the life coaching area, uh, some people overlap, you found also you sort of ended up in business without having a business background, um, how is that working for you? Does it matter I at love all? business coaching, and, and it's not that I don't have any business background, when I was an undergrad and during my grad school work at the University of Virginia, they have a philosophy of student self-governance. So I held a lot of leadership roles, and I did a lot of studying leadership, and I have always been really passionate about leadership. So I'm a leadership coach. I'm not a business coach, so I'm not advising people on the infrastructure of their operations or on venture capital funding or any of those kinds of, you know, or media concerns. But I'm, you know, I do have a lot of leadership experience, and mm-hmm. um and and so the distinctions that I coach around are, well, my training in coaching is ontological-based, so there's a lot of coaching around who you're being as a leader, and that's really the focus of the work is who you're being as a leader. Um, so, um, is, that, is, that, is that where the 
innovative comes from the innovative leadership yeah yeah because innovation oh, is get a big sigh out of you there <laughs> something yeah. real <laughs> yeah is that what yeah. it is the, well innovation innovative leadership is really looking at how do you um how do you innovate leadership and my answer to that my philosophy if you will is mm-hmm. um by bringing forth your most authentic ways of being you know who are you really and who do you want to be as a leader and what does leadership look like to you and part of that comes from the fact that you know if you go to any bookstore or you look on amazon and you look up leadership there are millions of titles about leadership there's no one answer about how to do leadership there's millions of answers about how to do leadership and that leads me to believe that really the only place to look for who you want to be as a leader is within you and so that's a lot of where the coaching that i do with my leaders comes from That's that's really that's really cool, and I I I what I'm what I'm hearing also I'm I'm, I'm hearing you know it's these all these executives and and the support they get from you I think that you know you are a leader in the coaching community even if uh, even if you don't uh, show up directly everywhere all the time like some other people do, but I'm really happy to have had you here on the show today, uh, Susie. Um, thank you very much, and um, we'll. Keep in contact and let us know um, all the exciting things that you are doing. Thank you so much, Annette. Thank you for having me. It's really been great to be with you today. Okay, thank you.